Welcome to the Directions Mag Geo Inspirations podcast series with Joseph Kursky. Greetings, all. Joseph Kursky here with you on another episode of Geo Inspirations, where we feature people with fascinating journeys in their career. Now, folks, this is going to be a great session today because I've got one of my dearest colleagues here with me, Eva Reed. Eva, welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. This is, I think, a long, a long time coming. Well, actually, yes, you're touching on something I was just thinking about, looking at the about six years worth of text interviews and also podcasts in this Geo Inspiration series. And we really appreciate Directions Magazine for being so supportive over the years with this. But I was looking at all the wonderful people that, that we featured in this column for, for years. And I was thinking, why isn't Eva Reed in here? Because you have a fascinating journey that I think the, the listeners of this will really enjoy hearing about and also thinking about the whole purpose of the column to be inspired to pursue their own hopes and dreams, whether it's geospatial or even some other career. So could you describe, I think many people probably know who you are listening to this, but could you describe your current position? And then maybe after that, a bit of your journey into, well, I should say positions, knowing how busy you are. (laughs) So that would be great. Happy to. So my official title with the District of Columbia is Information Technology Specialist 3. But the working title is Senior GIS Analyst. And I've been with the District of Columbia for 13 years. I've been doing GIS for about 20, I'm not even going to say 25, I'm going to say 27 because it's been about 27 years. (laughs) More recently, in the last five years or so, I have also taken on running my own business, Eva Reed Consulting, where I create professional development opportunities for women in tech. And as a part of that, I also do some consulting in GIS and really more in data and technology development. But my primary focus with that is to support and empower women in technology. Indeed. Well, it's very inspiring. First of all, being a longtime GIS professional in a very complex, uh, large government such as DC, that must be challenging. I, I'm wondering how, how you juggle those two main roles that you've got right now. Um, you know, what's your day-to-day work like, <laughs> work-life balance? Is, is there such a thing? But if you could describe that, that would be wonderful. Sure. So, My job with the District of Columbia is my full-time job. It's sort of your traditional nine-to-five kind of thing. That said, there are a few times a year where it is not quite as nine-to-five. So because we are in D.C., we have events here like inauguration and other large-scale events. Uh, The Pope was here sometime in the last Mm -hmm. Um, we have had some major political events happen here. Obviously, there's the, you know, various protests and whatnot here. So, but otherwise, it's pretty much nine to five. And 
as deep as I get into my job, sometimes I mostly have my evening hours and weekends to myself. So uh, me being me, uh, I'm not good at not having something to do. So I, you know, I, I do my, my other, my consulting, you know, evening hours, weekend hours, whatever. I, you know, I, I still leave time for myself. I still leave time for the kayaking. So uh, it's not all work and no play because that makes Eva a dull girl. <laughs> well, you're, you're reminding me of something we chatted about before with a formal uh, interview here, if you want to call it a formal interview, but just our chatting, our regular chatting here, and that is what the career counselors often call, find some time, carve out some time, be purposeful about it, where you're pursuing what you're really passionate about. Now, I know you're really passionate about GIS and your, your position with, with the D.C. government. But you're also very passionate about, like you said, empowering women and others in geotechnology and even tech beyond geotechnology, right? So you work with people in all professions, really. H how, does, how does the geotechnology weave in uh, to that? Is it often? Is it sometimes? Seldom? I would say it's pretty often. There is almost nothing that I do that doesn't have a GIS to it or could. I don't want to say that it's always entirely explicit, but there's sometimes where um, it's a little bit less focused on GIS and more on the subject, but I think pretty much everything I do has some component. So for example, uh, I work with a lot of our sister agencies in the district government, and many of them are doing GIS projects or are interested in doing GIS projects. And so I end up working with them either as a subject matter expert or as a project manager or just, you know, hey, I need help with this particular piece of the project. Can you help me through some can you help me through thinking through something or can you actually show me what it is that I need to do? In my other, the other hat that I wear, I work a lot with women in GIS. So I don't necessarily, I'm not doing the same kind of work. I'm not doing this um, tech support, project support. I'm doing more career support and helping women in GIS and other technical fields to advance their careers. So mm -hmm. I would pretty much say everything I do touches GIS in some way or other. And at some point I will probably ask all of my clients. So <laughs> it's, you know, there, there is, I think a component of, of geo in anything that I do. And I think there's a component of geo in things that most people. It is an interesting community, isn't it? Uh, despite the sort of oh, enterprise nature of GIS, where you have, for example, a lot of people in the D.C. government now empowered with GIS. It, GIS is not just sort of a niche thing that a few people do and ditto for other organizations. I still think there's something unique about this community, uh, many things that we could pick apart, but I can relate to what you're saying. So recently I was involved with a project that was a water resources related project with educators. And so 
you know, I got really passionate about collecting storm drains as a part of that project. So, you know, I'm out hiking on a Saturday and I've got my family members. Hey, Joseph, there's a there's a storm drain over here. Oh, OK, thanks. I'll take a picture of it and upload it into survey one, two, three. So, yes, it does have a way of sort of uh, touching our everyday lives, even outside of, you know, quote, work uh, time. But again, it, it kind of touches on, you know, the community is almost to a person very passionate about about what they're doing in geotechnology isn't it interesting i I really i you know i'm sitting here nodding my head no one can see it but i'm I'm sitting here nodding my head because that's really the way we experience the world um i was a i was a giser before i was even a giser or even knew that there was such a thing i as a little kid i I made imaginary or maps of imaginary places. They were actual maps of imaginary places. I really didn't have any clue other than, you know, National Geographic. Look at the maps in National Geographic. They were part of National Geographic. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't have any idea. I mean, you know, like maps just happen by magic, of course. <laughs> And, and that was what I thought, really. I, I just had no sense that there was a thing that you could do. There was a job that you could do that where you could make maps. And I get to college and it's like, oh, by the way, uh, you need a natural science credit. So geography, whatever number it was, is available to you. So I took it and, you know, ah, okay. uh, it was a physical geography class and I didn't actually do that well. And I tell that story all the but I loved it and then discovered that, oh, you can learn how to make maps, this free program. And oh, by the way, you can use computers, which was also a thing. That was sort of my progression into GIS. And I just, you know, who knew? Who knew that that was a possibility? So like I said, I was geo before I was even geo. No, oh, I love it. And that actually touches on, yeah, a question I was going to ask you later, but you're, you're articulating it very well already. And just for the listeners' interest, maybe some people would be interested, you and I met at an Ian McCarg presentation at the Arizona GIS conference, mid-1990s-ish. Yes, yes. Talk talk about Ian McCarg for a bit for the folks (laughs) that are sort of new to GIS that have not heard of him. Design with Nature. Woohoo! It's a book. It's a great book. You know, I think on... Meeting frequently because, as you know, and none of no one knows yet about to learn that you and I meet up at various conferences throughout the year, throughout all of the years, and um, yeah, that was a wonderful conference for a variety of reasons. So yes, we got to meet and listen to one of the, well, basically the sort of founder of the whole idea of overlay mapping, right? You know, it was just so wonderful because number one, I had just moved to Arizona and was working with the Arizona Geographic Information Council and was working as an intern there and got to help organize the conference. And so it was amazing on that level. And I, you know, I'm right out of college. And then, you know, I got to meet you and then I got to meet Ian McCarthy. And I, that was such a, part of my career, I think, was just that that confluence of events. You know, I've, I've basically, those people, including you, 
I have stayed in touch with all of the years of my career and have been important in my career ongoing. So that was just a wonderful experience. I wish I could visit Arizona more, but anyway. Uh (laughs) Well, you're in an exciting part of the world. I mean, there's so much, I'm in Colorado, you're in DC metro area. There's, they, they do have lots in common being sort of geospatial focal points for really the region and in some ways the, the whole world. Uh, so it must be an exciting Absolutely. place to be doing GIS and you know your your long career with the DC government, for example, you must have seen some some significant changes. What do you think is the the most exciting either current tool or current development uh, or force inside geospatial technology right now that that really excites you? have to say, and some of this is kind of defined by the period that we are living in. So we are here. It's still, I'm still calling it COVID because we're not done yet, unfortunately. But I think that the most exciting development for me is having the ability and I, I, you know, okay, so I'm going to use survey one, two, three as an example having the ability to create a, a, a tool to go out into the field, collect data and bring it back. Now, you know, we could do that with a number of different tools. We could do that with a spreadsheet. We could go out with a tablet and have a spreadsheet, but the fact that we can go out and have location attached to everything that we're collecting as we go and help mm-hmm. place that doesn't cost five quadrillion dollars that, you know, someone can go out with their phone and can collect this data or these data, it be useful to the rest of us that are back at the store, at the, you know, at the office. The office, right. I'm like, where is it? I don't don't want to say invention necessarily, but the move from collecting tabular data at a station in an office to collecting data out in the field, but having Jane Smith going out with their phone and collecting data that is used real time is to me amazing. Yeah, I'd have to agree. It's, it is a huge leap forward for geospatial because as you know, people had been, the citizen science or community science movement had been going on since what the Autobahn, you know, birth of the birders, you know, the exactly information way back in the 19th century. But now it's just now I can actually map what I'm collecting more easily than I could ever in the past. It is it is an amazing development, along with other things that you and I have chatted about. Data as services was huge, Mm -hmm. Uh, reducing the time to process manipulate, mm-hmm. get your data ready for analysis. And sure, we still have challenges in, in odd data formats or fields we don't understand and other data issues. It's a complex world, right? So maybe we're never going to get to the point where every single piece of data is easy to use. But yes, much, much progress there as well. I get the sense that, um, that you have long been passionate about empowering others 
to use geospatial technology? And maybe this fits right into your consulting business. How do people find out about your consulting and how does that, do they, do you meet them at conferences? Do you, do they find your website? Do they know you from uh, your, your long time, you know, interaction with the community or is it all of the above or how does that actually work? I would say it's kind of all of the above. I, I think to some degree, the fact that I've been in the community, in the tech community, I'm not even necessarily say the GIS community, but okay. You know, I've been in the GIS community long enough that people know me at least to some degree, or they know who I am. Uh, I don't know that. I mean, if you ask some random person on the street, they're not going to know who I am, but I think within the field, I'm, well-known enough that that kind of put me in a good position to sort of step out on my own and do some new things. I regularly speak as part of my job. So I'm on the outside talking to the public a lot anyway. And I think that certainly helped. I also just saw a need and stepped up to fill it. I guess, is what I would say. I, you know, GIS is still, and I think tech is still mostly male. Mostly, well, we'll just say mostly male. It is not a place where women see each other often. So I know I was on a team at one point that I was the only woman on my team. And that was out of 30 people, let's say. And that is not an unusual experience. And so I honestly was being really and said to myself, I just really want an opportunity to other women in my community. And that community happens to be tech and it happens to be GIS. So, and that was really how it started. And I just started asking people if they wanted to get together and talk. And then the conversation was, hey, it would be really cool if we could do an event around this. Uh, let's talk about setting boundaries. Let's talk about how to write a resume. You know, just those kinds of things. And and people want to do it after hours at, on their lunch break, whatever. And, you know, how can we facilitate that? And it really wasn't possible to do during work hours because I've got, you know, I'm doing my regular job. So mm -hmm. came an after hours thing and it became a series of workshops and it became my business. So <laughs> it's, um, yeah. So I, you know, word of mouth, a little bit of previous knowledge. People knew me from this other thing. Um, people like you telling other people about me and and we're here. So it's still well, comes I, my mind though. <laughs> like how did this, how did I end up here? <laughs> well, I have great respect for what you're doing, Eva, and have been a longtime fan of yours. And I just was wondering, you know, do you think that we're making progress in the diversity of the community in geotechnology. To solve all of these problems, it, it is going to take a, a, a lot of people with different backgrounds. I was on a project two weeks ago called the Critical Approaches to Place out of a certain university. This is a New Mexico state, actually. And they had an, an amazing variety of people that I don't normally, you know, 
if there is a, a sort of a traditional normal in GIS, mm -hmm. I know things are changing, but there were filmmakers, there were poets, there were uh, artists, people with, uh, you know, MFA degrees it's, it's, mm -hmm. and so on. It was just, it was great, but they, you know, they, they sort of latched on to some of the multimedia tools, dashboards, story maps, et cetera. And so this community has sort of grown up around this and they, they've got a, a grant project where they're, you know, doing some technical training, but also um, empowering that community to pursue not just geotechnology tools, but other things, but weaving maps into the narrative and the, and the issues that they're grappling with. Yeah. Do you think that that's, is that a one-time thing or is that, are we making progress in the, in the widening of the community that's involved with this? I think we are making progress. I don't think we're making as fast as we could. I think we are making progress in some areas more than we are making progress in other areas. I think on the whole, though, it's a positive. I think I think positive things are happening. I think there are a lot of different communities participating for different reasons, and I think that's exciting. You know, you know, I've said this before that that you know, GIS and geospatial and geography are only limited by what you can think up. I think if we carry that idea forward, that really expands our reach, so to speak, and expands what we're able to consider and what we are able to think of as geography. I'll just say geography, and that is kind of my encompassing term. And I, I'm really excited and also not surprised to hear you say that filmmakers are using maps, thinking about maps. And, you, you know, obviously historians should be, English teachers maybe not, not that they shouldn't be, but maybe they hadn't been thinking about it before. But I know I've worked with some K-12 English teachers who said to me, wow, I just never really thought of this as a way to engage my students, but they love tech. So why wouldn't I use GIS in the classroom? Well, because it wasn't accessible, number one. And so now there's this whole accessibility piece that is, you know, different products through different companies are available to a wider audience of people. And I think that's just going to make geography and GIS more accessible to more people. And I just think that's amazing. I, you know, if, if everyone knew geography in the entire world, I think it would be a better place. <laughs> Indeed. Well, your, your comments remind me of that example of uh, those students that have been and some faculty members on the ESRI user conference stage a couple of times now yes. from East LA Roosevelt High School. And the two teachers that started GIS there were not science or even social studies. They were uh, humanities slash English teachers. So it, you know, to kind of confirms your point that yeah. it can come from anywhere as long as people are passionate about it and are willing to maybe put up with some naysayers, uh, should I say, or people that say, why, you're over here in this department. Why are you working with teachers over in this department? But GIS has always been about breaking down barriers, right? Yes. Mental, exactly. disciplinary. Exactly. Yeah. And I was thinking, as you were just saying that, I'm thinking about this. And of course, I'm blanking on the name of it. We'll have to include some notes later or something. But I was thinking about this organization that I that was actually, it was art. They were artists. And it was artists and 
other humanities related literature. This particular organization got together with some students from schools around DC and actually created, I, I want to say it was a story map. They actually okay. this mm -hmm. story map of murals in the districts. And I, and I was, you know, I asked me to come in and kind of show them how to use this online and ran with it. They did their whole thing. I, something happened and we couldn't, it might have even been COVID. I don't know. But something happened. We couldn't get together to do like the final presentation together. But it was just a thought process of like, we want to understand our community. Out. We're going to do interviews. We're going to take pictures. We're going to record audio and put it all together in a map form and have people. It was so amazing to me. Indeed. I want everyone, well. to, I want everyone to get excited about you. Your energy and enthusiasm and expertise are, I think, going to be inspiring people listening to this. Can we dig in for just a moment of what's your day-to-day -day work at the D.C. government? So current projects are, I don't want to say not related to maps, but I, I almost don't make maps anymore. I, I don't even like saying that because it makes me feel, makes me feel some way. <laughs> These days, I'm training people in how to use GIS tools, and I am training people in how to use data and how to understand data. Uh, most of my day is honestly spent writing documentation and communicating with people, really. I have to make maps occasionally, but really I, these days, am building data more, you know, building the data sets behind maps that other people are making and sort of facilitating that process. So I, you know, I, I'm at the point in my career where, you know, I've done, I've done everything from being an intern and digitizing maps from hard copy into Arc Info 7, I think. <laughs> I, you know, I've moved my way all the way, you know, I was a GIS analyst. I became a manager for a while. I decided to go back to teaching um, and did that at the at the community college level and at also teaching employees. Um, my day is kind of boring when you look at it, but I'm excited about it because it means that I'm helping to build things that other people can use to do great work. And I, I think my director, I don't want to speak for her, but I think she would say that that is kind of our mission to help other people do great work. I get excited about it because other people get excited about it. Well, it doesn't sound boring to me at all. Uh, you're planting lots of seeds in your multiple roles that are going to sprout into shrubs and forests in the future. And I think it's good for the listener to see that, you know, even though we've had lots of people on in this column in the past that have GIS jobs as one of their jobs, it doesn't mean they're, they're making maps or doing spatial analysis all day long. There's lots of different things, which I think is a good message for people to understand 
you know, I'm in education, so we've talked about this numerous times in the past. If I'm writing curriculum, I'm not in the in the tools as much as maybe I was X years ago when I was all day long in GIS software. Now, it, it's kind of a humbling thing, though, right? Because then it, it kind of shows that we need each other. And at one point, like when you and I met way back in the 1990s, there was with some variation, but there was sort of a way that you could learn most of GIS, you know, the plotting of the maps, the cartography, the database design, but no longer, right? And no. over the, what we could argue when, when that sort of tipping point happened, but it's actually good. It's humbling, but it's, you, none of us can know all of geotechnology. Um, there's simply not enough hours in the day. And, and, and it's good in a sense, in many ways, one of which is, yeah, we depend on this community to help us and you can probably relate. You train someone in GIS, they lean over your shoulder in the face-to-face -face days or maybe in, in a Zoom right. session, and they look at what you're doing. I get this all the time with, with you know, new grad students or new undergrads. I've, I've been using GIS, Joseph, for a whole year now. Okay, right. and they're leaning over my shoulder saying, why are you doing it this way, Joseph? You should do it this way. Oh, okay. So we're learning even from people that are new to the field, which is it's humbling, but it's also really great to, to you know, to, to observe that, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, it's happens to me all the time. I, and I, I purposely, you know, let's say I'm doing a training session. I tell people I've been doing this for a long time, but it doesn't mean I have all the answers. It means that I have some, answers. I know a lot of people. And if I don't know the answer, I can probably find you someone who does, but I, it, it sort of is that maybe this is a cliche and we're not using it anymore, but I still use it because I think it's very appropriate for our community. It takes a village and it takes a village to make a map. Really. You can spin that. However, mm -hmm. But I really think that, you know, everyone sort of comes up in a similar fashion and not to say that it's exactly the same, but everyone comes up in a similar fashion. We, you know, we make an analyst at one point and then we become a manager or whatever, whatever our path is, the programmer path, or someone takes the data scientist path, or someone takes the trainer path. Those are all mm -hmm. critical for the success of the community. We can't do it without each other. So let's do it together. Let's find ways to connect. Let's find ways to communicate. I mean, and obviously that's one of my things. But you know, let's find ways to communicate so that we can work together and we can make change and change the landscape, not just you know, change the physical landscape, but change what our community looks like. And I'm seeing a lot of really good work from, you know, OpenStreetMap folks and uh, youth mappers, um, you know, lots of different organizations. I think you actually connected me to uh, National Geographic a long time ago with, uh, with our friend Gwen. And mm -hmm. um, that was just, you know, that was such a great, it was Charlie, I think, who got connected and you know that was a really great opportunity as well and we're just we're, we're as you say we're sowing the seeds to build the the gis forest <laughs> well said a it, you almost never meet i don't know if i've ever met anybody in geotechnology you know writ large the the geo the wider global gis community 
that has been, no, I'm not going to share that information or I'm not going to help you. They have, they are overwhelmingly geo mentors before geo mentors was even a term or yes. a phrase. <laughs> even before yes. GIS core existed, there were people so willing to share what they know. Another thing that you're touching on, I think is important for the, to the listener of this. And that is yes, GIS and spatial framework, you're touching on geography and, and domain knowledge as well are important, but ultimately the goal of all of this is really to build more resilient, healthier, yes. happier communities. And like you say, I think I, 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 I'm hearing your, you know, encouraging words that we're, we're getting there. Sometimes it's agonizingly slow, but when you think about like when you and I met and the, you know, the community of academics and, and professionals that were sort of concerned and, and, you know, some of the general public too, about water and energy and health and so on and so forth, social inequities and so on. But now, you know, the, the, the geo awareness or the awareness of all those global problems that increasingly affect, affect our everyday lives, it has completely ramped up, right. In a, in a yes. more uh, all encompassing way where people are now Ordinary folks that aren't even in this field are, yeah, we need to be doing something about that. They don't always connect it to what we're teaching in the educational curriculum necessarily, but they're at least aware that these are problems and we need to address them. I think so. And I, I, I also think too, though, that we need to not be complacent about it. We need to continue forward and push for more ways that people can access the tools, but also push for more communities to have an introduction to the tools, whatever that looks like. And it isn't necessarily, you know, ArcGIS Online. It isn't necessarily QGIS. It's, it's all the, the general concepts make things happen in their communities. Brice Robertson. Ah, yep. She used to work for Pr- Trust for Public Lands. And now yes. she just Lincoln wrote Institute. a book. Yes. Yes, uh, yes exactly. My point up her book is really that communities need to be involved in the development of their own communities. And it has to be a partnership between the community and the community. And that may be the same sometimes, but more often than not, it isn't. What I took away from her book was that it's really important to make sure that not only are you doing that work, but that you're not, that it's not passive work, that it's active work that we're doing we should continue to do that and we should continue to step outside of our comfort zones as GISers and really not just say, oh, we're here to do a project, but hey, we're here to provide, you know, technical support for this project. What would you like to see and how can we make this a partnership? Mm-hmm. I think that's really important. And I, and so again, I think it's, I think we're doing a lot of really good work in, in the GIS community to expand what the GIS community, looks like. but I feel that we really need to continue to push that envelope and make sure that we're not just sticking with what is now. And I, you know, I think we're really good at it, but I think we need to be more explicit about it ongoing. Yeah, thanks for the words of wisdom. Uh, Brees was featured in another episode of this same series, so you're <laughs> you're in good company there. Also, um, looking at I know the the listeners not seeing this, but I'm looking at the books behind you, Eva, and I'm wondering what is what are you currently reading, and or is there a favorite book that you have read that influenced you and you want to share with others? 
I'm going to say that I put some of them on my website. I am currently reading The Likeability Trap. I'm having feelings about plugging myself, but I will be doing a read-along in October with friends, and those, those friends can be new friends, of The Likeability Trap. What's the feeling I'm feeling reading this book? It's a hard book to read. I'm going to say that first because one of the, the, the premise of the book is that as women in the work world, we are stuck with this idea that we can either be likable or we can be competent and not both, which is completely false. That is not like those two things are not, they can happen at the same time. <laughs> Or they cannot happen at the same time, but women should not be penalized for their competence. I really feel like I needed to read that right now. Not that I'm necessarily feeling like I'm personally being penalized, but I think women overall in technology are being penalized. We don't, we don't get to choose. Other people are choosing us. So we need to find ways to connect with each other. So again, to my about why I started my whole business to connect women, help us to be visible to each other so that we can help to support each other. So uh, the likability trap is very connected to it right now, to the message, to the ideas. I would really encourage people to read it, not just women. I think everybody should read this book. Thanks. While you were talking, I started looking it up. It does look quite fascinating and relevant to uh, work slash life. Also, we'll definitely point people to your website as well to learn more about you. I want to be respectful of your time. Really appreciate the time you've spent. But let me let me just ask you this, maybe in closing, you touched on this a bit, but what's the most important thing that we need to work on as 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 a community? That's kind of a difficult one to answer, I realize, because there are so many things and so many things that you touched on actually point to this more noble goal of building resilience and empowering people to make a difference in their workplaces and in their communities. But if you had to kind of look out toward, you know, the rest of the 2020s, what should we really be doing? You, you pointed to the whole idea of this is uh, not just a nice thing to be doing and an important thing, but uh, critical to, yeah. to our planet. I think that as a community, I mean, certainly we, I'll give sort of a, a typical answer. You know, we obviously need to be working on our our climate, our environmental situation, because that's really scary now. Um, and I think all of us, one of the reasons I think it's important and one of the reasons that I think that the GIS community has a really important role here is because we are all experiencing it. Every single person on this earth, we're not all experiencing the same thing, but we're all experiencing the impact of the changes in the environment. However you want to say that and whatever you want to call it, the environment is changing and we're all impacted by that. I think the other side is speaks to what I was saying before. I think we really need to reconsider who we think of as part of the GIS community. We need to be looking at everyone as a potential colleague. And I mean everyone from all communities and all economic strata and all ethnic communities and uh, you, know, you name the demographic slice. I think we should be <laughs> considering everyone part of our community. 
that probably means, you know, doing a lot of work and continuing to do the work of getting the word out about the concepts behind what we do and making tools available, really doing the work of supporting that. So we need to have the framework. We need the hardware. We need the software. We need all of that. But we also need to have that framework, the conceptual framework out there and, you know, doing the good work that folks like are doing of this podcast, teaching at colleges. I know many people who are teaching K-12. I'm so passionate about that. I, I really feel like it's something that everyone can understand and everyone can do, even at the youngest ages. I guess I want to impress on people that it, this is something for everyone. And if you are even remotely interested in it, you can reach out to people, you can reach out to me and just connect with people so that we can help, you know, bring you into the fold, so to speak. Well said. And certainly with the evolution that we started talking about when we first met all the way up to today has really been, it's, it's evident to at least people inside IT and GIS that things have evolved for the better bringing in additional people into the community, different disciplines, and the whole idea of, you know, I can do this with a web browser now. Wow. A lot of this anyway, with a web browser, Mm -hmm. that's pretty amazing. And like you referred to earlier with an ordinary phone, but yes, as you're also, I think very well saying we, we've got some work to do still. And so we're not going to give up, keep on pressing toward the goal. It's just great to be, you know, in your presence, Eva, thanks so much with all the numerous juggling rasters and vectors and plates <laughs> spinning in the air that you spent time with uh, me and the listeners today is it's just going to be a treasure to be able to go back and listen to some of the words that um, you know we, we didn't even have time to to build upon but thank you so much thank you for inviting me and thank you so much for just doing this and being such a great uh, you are such an inspiration to me so thank you for everything that you've done in your career and that you will continue to do. Thank you. Thank you, Eva. That's very kind of you. Mm-hmm.